You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. How about that? My time is now. Welcome in the box. Look at that. That's what we call an easy fade right there. How are y'all doing? I am Thomas. I am hosting In the Box today, flying solo. Walt had a function he had to get to, so Walt's going to be working uh, next week by himself as I will be out of town. So we felt it was only fair to have a little switch off and switcheroo, but we're going to bring you everything you need to know about what's going on with the NHL this past week, as well as how this hometown Detroit Red Wings squad did this week. We're going to actually start with some news and notes from around the league first and some of the happenings from the week. And we'll start actually in Toronto because that's the place that most people like to start. Uh, Toronto, you know, the big talk two weeks ago was all the problems. Excuse me. The big talk two weeks ago was actually all the goal scoring that was being done by the home team in Toronto, the Maple Leafs, Matthews and Tavares. They were dominating the league. They were on a roll. I believe they combined for 16 goals in the first six games for the Maple Leafs. I mean, they were on fire to start the year, and I think everybody kind of thought precursor of what's to come. And in three games this past week, John Tavares nets one assist, Austin Matthews nets two assists, and the Two guys have cooled down. They combined for just three points, and they also lose last night to St. Louis, a St. Louis team that is struggling mightily, mind you, coming out of the gate. Just kind of a a really – it's really funny how quickly things can turn around, how a team that's absolutely dominating just can absolutely free fall in such a quick hurry. Uh, I shouldn't say free fall. I'm sorry. I mean, I I guess all those reports early on of, you know, there was – it's just going to be, you know, how, um, you know, they, the, 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 the Leafs were just going to dominate and Matthews was on pace for 60 and, or what was it? Actually, Matthews is on pace for 140 and, uh, Tavares were, was on pace for 90 some odd goals, something like that. Well, what a difference a week makes where three games pass and neither of them chip in with a goal. It's just really funny how, how that starts. And I know it's just it's what a hockey market, market does. Toronto wants to be good. They want to be good so bad. They want to believe that their team is good. And they want to believe that their team's going to roll. And in their last two, they, they, they're they on a two-game losing streak in those two games. About 4-0 on the road and 2-3 and three at home. And it almost makes you wonder a little bit, is the pressure so much less? And is it just so much better for this team to be on the road where they don't have to read the press clippings and they don't have to worry as much about what's going on day-to-day and just go out and play? Although uh, the three-game homestand that they're on right now, or that they just finished up with, they won at home Monday, 4-1 to over L.A. That was before dropping back-to-back games where they only scored one goal, a 3-0 game against Pittsburgh, and a 4-1 to game against St. Louis. So, you know, it's a, it, it's funny how that kind of stuff can, can work its way around and, and, and turn it around. And you, you know very well that these two guys are going to rebound. <laughs> I doubt that they're going to stay with the number of goals that they have at this point of the season. But just very interesting, again, how things get going and then what can happen in a week. And, th- you know, is the sky falling? Obviously it's not. We've, we're nine games into the year. 
But in those nine games now, Matthews down with the 16 points. Morgan Riley still with the 14. Tavares with the 11. Uh, good. It's just interesting to see what's going to happen next for the Toronto Leafs as, as everybody's pretty much going to want to keep an eye on them all year, I feel. You know, there's, there's going to be so much surrounded by this team, especially with the hot start, especially with the power play being what it is, especially being, you know, as Walt and I frequently talk about one of the major, major markets out there, uh, or if not the market in all the National Hockey League. I feel like there's a big spotlight that they're gonna that they're gonna have to deal with, and and again, though it'll be interesting to see also the home and road record as we continue on through the regular season. As we just mentioned last night, this team went up against the St. Louis Blues, a Blues team struggling out of the box going into the game last night. St. Louis at one three and two on the year, they go out and they actually surprisingly. To shake things up, Jay Bomeister, one of the one of their top four defensemen, ends up getting benched to start the game or, or healthy scratched. You know the the ho- the right hockey term, obviously healthy scratched to to start before the game. St. Louis responds. They come out. They get the big victory over the Maple Leafs last night, and they really held Toronto in check. I was watching uh, flipping kind of with that game in, in Toronto. Really couldn't get anything going at all. I believe they ended the first two periods, I want to say, with under 15 shots. And in the game as a whole, they they really didn't pick it up as much as you'd probably expect. I mean, with all that offense, Toronto really unable to, to get much going. Like we said, a 4-1 to victory for the Blues last night. They get the shorthanded goal late in the game into the empty net. That kind of helped salt it away. Final shots fi- fi- finished at 25 for the Blues, 23 for the Leafs. Leafs were credited with just eight after two periods of play. Give you an idea of how good defensively and how focused defensively St. Louis must have been in last night's game. They get three second period goals, one from Bortuzzo, Zach Sanford, and Ryan O'Reilly, all of their first of the seasons. And that really kind of the big difference between the two games. Or, well, excuse me, the big difference in the two games. Between the two teams, I should say, in the game. Uh, third time's always a charm. Let's stay north of the border. We'll actually talk about Thomas Plakanich. You know, it, it seems to me that there's a large group of people that are ending up hitting the 1,000-game point uh, uh, down near the same time as Thomas Plakanich, the newest to the one. We had two guys that we mentioned last week that hit the 1,000-point club. Now it's Tavares, or excuse me, now it's it's uh, Thomas Plakanich, and he would actually do that in the game last Monday against the Red Wings. I don't know if you heard about it. It was a bit of a goal fest for Montreal. They did all right in that game against Detroit. And we'll get kind of into the particulars a little bit later. But it was the goal for Plaklanich's first of the season in an 8-2 victory and a 1,000th career game by Thomas Plaklanich. Congratulations to him. Elsewhere around the league, Brady Kachuk getting hurt for the Ottawa Senators. He is now projected to be out for the next month. Uh, that'll... Big injury suffered there for the Senators, who have probably to most team or most around the league surprises not been uh, as bad, I bet, as most people kind of foresaw or, or expected them to be. With all the change and with all the the the, the differences in, in the locker room and the issues that were that were had and, and struggled upon, you know, the obviously the Carlson and Hoffman issues. Uh, 
Ottawa has not played bad. They also gave a they they beat Montreal in overtime last night, four to three. Oddly enough, or not oddly enough, but uh, 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 congratulations to Bob Cole. The last game that he is slated to call in Ottawa, he's only going to have a, a ten game scheduled during this season. Bob Cole giving a standing ovation by players and team uh, players on both separate teams alike, as well as the fans. One of the best broadcasters in, in just a name that's, especially in, in Michigan, kind of synonymous with C, with CBC and Hockey Night in Canada. Given all of, um, given that we get that CBC, we get that station, we get to see that Hockey Night in Canada. Just growing up, and Walt and I have talked about it. There's just so much um, that that Bob Cole, at Bob Cole and Harry Neal, that that those kind of those names just seem so familiar. As he calls it a career. Again, getting back to it, Ottawa, nine points so far in their seven games played. Not bad at all. That's kind of floating around the middle of the division. They got the same number of points as Tampa, one better than Buffalo, one less than Montreal and Boston. So a credit to them. They are on a three-game winning streak. That victory last night, as we said, over the Canadians pushed their winning streak to three. Montreal, who's now lost uh, before that night was four one and one, so they also coming out of the gate a little bit better, I think, than most teams expected. And Ottawa also wreaking some uh, some pleasure from home cooking. Five one four one and four three. Those are the last three games. Two of those in LA, last, or again, uh, one game I should say last Saturday against LA. Then they play, beat Dallas four to one on Monday, October fifteenth, before getting the four to three victory. A little time at home, probably very helpful for this squad. As as Ottawa just trying to get the pieces together. Also, want to mention Craig Anderson stopped thirty seven shots, and you know he was one of the keys, if not the key to the big playoff run. That they had a few seasons ago where they made it all the way to the uh, conference finals. Craig Anderson was spectacular in the postseason, in the regular season for Ottawa. And big for him to see 40, to get the 37 saves and the victory over the Stars. It, if that's a sign of things to come, that, that, that Craig Anderson's kind of found their game, found it, refound his game. And, you know, all that kind of bad news comes out of the locker room. This is a team that's got the sixth best power play overall. It could be. One of those, uh, a, a surprise team. It's early. Obviously, it's early, but Anderson, a 299 goals against and a save percentage of 920 so far on the young season. And in a season that has seen a lot of goals go in, I think you're going to see goals against numbers be high. Uh, so that save percentage at 920, big, big numbers so far this season for the netminder out of Ottawa. Teams breaking streaks. Congratulations to the Buffalo Sabres as they win in, in at Los Angeles for the first time since 2003. That happened last night in a victory over the Kings, obviously, in Los Angeles. Jeff Skinner pacing the team with a hat trick. Jack Eichel getting three assists in that game. So a big win there as well. Florida got their first win of the season. Speaking of big wins, as they got... Went into Washington, jumped out to a 4-1 lead, would end up falling behind, or excuse me, needing a a shootout to get the victory. But they do snatch their first season of the victory. That left the Red Wings as the only undefeated team, but or I should say only winless team in the NHL. But as we will get to uh, after the break, Detroit would only stay winless for one more night as they did get their first victory of the season in a game last night against the Florida Panthers. In that game, some uh, a little bit of ire was drawn as Alexander Ovechkin kind of 
hit had a high hit on Mark Fizik, and and that drew some post game commentary. And, you know, it, it, it's funny how kind of the pot calling the kettle back a little bit there as Florida, who was really didn't none nobody really believed that anything that happened uh, to Matheson was 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 really warranted. I, I mean, I they for the hit on Peterson. And it's a good thing. But now Ovechkin comes in with kind of a, a high. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I've watched hit a couple times. I, I don't really know. Is it is is it to the head? Yes. I, it's just one of those almost height differences <laughs> almost where it looks like Ovechkin's really aiming for that chest kind of looking to hit him right in the in the in the in the in the in the, in the numbers there. And it ended up being a little bit of a high hit drew Florida's ire. Especially after Matheson had gotten the two-game suspension for his hit on uh, the uh, the young forward Elias Pettersson for for Vancouver, but nothing came of it outside of uh, the just the big hit in Ovechkin, where no penalty was called on that play. By the way, uh, we mentioned the injury to uh, Brady Kajuk, projected to be out a month. Not the only man down here around the league. Actually, you know, let's st- let's stick actually with for Matheson on that uh, the the Matheson hit for just a moment is he's actually uh, been receiving death threats and verbal harassment because of that hit on Peterson. Uh, just I tell you, hockey fans are a passionate group uh, of people, but I tell you it. Talk about gripping the club tight. I I know Peterson's been good, and I know Vancouver, uh, another Canadian market, where you really, you know, you expect to see uh, a a very passionate fan base that's, you know, without the Sedins, they're in the middle of of kind of making some changes and kind of moving the franchise in a different direction, but a very odd um, sort of situation with death threats coming to Matheson for the hit. Uh, I had a few of them here. Let's just sit tight here. Let me let me bring you some of the the, the tweets or some of the news that came out. Um, it's just very interesting, though. You know, very. You you just hate to see it because you got what you got is a, a group a, a fan base like I said that's just kind of gripping the club a little too tight, uh, taking things a little bit too seriously. Yes, I mean you don't want anybody to see hurt, be hurt, or anything like that, but. On the, on, and the, on the other hand of that, you also, I, I mean, you also don't think it's right for anybody to kind of talk about purposely, you know, ending somebody's life for something that happened on the ice. Uh, just it's it's kind of a kind of a black eye. I don't think you 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 really want to see that. And and Vancouver, I'm sure that they'll tell you that's disappointment, disappointing. Uh, to at the very least to hear about this. Uh, and what's going down there for Robert Matheson, what he's now dealing with uh, from the Vancouver, uh, you would assume, again, from the uh, Vancouver fans, could be uh, any fan base, I guess, that just didn't like the hit. But you would expect a, a strong fan base like Vancouver to be part of the group that really kind of getting up in arms over what happened uh, last week in that game. Again, Matheson did receive the two-game suspension. And just want to follow up with with where that came. It came to uh, various social media channels. Yes, he was suspended two game two games. And, and to Matheson's credit, he did reach out to Pedersen for um, via text to apologize for the hit, as he didn't mean to hurt him. 
But at every level, you know, the, um, you know, Matheson said at every level, I've never been a malicious player or someone that goes around trying to hurt players because I expect to receive the same respect in return. And that's not what hockey's about. Uh, there was no point in, in my frame of mind where I was thinking, oh, I got to injure this guy. Um, if you sifted through, but some of the, the, uh, comments, um, the, the Quebec native discovered when he checked on social media, I was trying to laugh it off, but it's been very disappointing. He told some, some Florida beat writers to think that people could be so inhumane about something. Sports were made to bring people together, cheer on teams and have passions about their teams, which is exactly right. Matheson's right about that. I fully understand and respect that, but there are thousands of people commenting on my social media pages, sending me death threats, wishing I would commit suicide or get cancer. Just unbelievable. People have even threatened his dog. Who does, who who takes it out on dogs? I, I, everybody loves dogs. That's unbe- It's just just unbelievable. A sample of some of the things you don't deserve. This animal, you monster. Your dog is ugly. I feel bad for your dog. Expletive. Your dog. Piece of blank. Uh, take your ginger blank head. Your, your demon spawn ass and get in your hellhole where you belong. The social media tough guy, man, it's it's just it's terrible. I mean, it's unbelievable what what people would say, what few people feel comfortable saying behind a keyboard. Yet, if they ever were to meet Matheson in real life, what would you know? Do you think that would be what they'd say? I mean, it's just there's just no excuse for it. And again, whether you know the play happened, I you just basically want to say get over it. Um, and hopefully Matheson, everything ends up turning out okay for him uh, going forward. But I think that's something to, to kind of keep an eye on. You know, Florida and, and Vancouver, I uh, will will play again this year. You, you almost want to see what's going to be, what's he going to have to deal with, not only from fans, but potentially uh, on the ice from the opposition, which it, it, it's scary to think that that could be uh, something that he has to deal with. But again, it's, it, it, it's very possible that that could be the case. Okay, now we're going to go ahead and go go over and talk a few more injuries here that have struck around the league. The National Predators put Pika Rene on injured reserve. And really, I, from what I understand, there was really not much of an announcement as to what it was or what happened that, uh, that got him or what the injury is to cause Rene to go on uh, IR. And didn't really seem to be... Uh, a super huge problem last night as Nashville gets a three nothing victory in Edmonton against the Oilers as UC Saros would get 31 of 31. So uh, funny how things ter- turn out the injury bug, not really affecting the, or the Pika Rene injury, not really having a negative effect as of yet one game in, or maybe it was two, but still Saros uh, filling in more than admirably, admirably last night in the victory for the admin or excuse me for the Nashville Predators. Boston also dealing with some injuries here as they now have put in, put a couple of guys on injured reserve is down and out for them. Defensemen, they were already without Tory Krug, and now they are without McAvoy and Miller both hitting the IR as well. So the Bruins going uh quite deep into the 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 bench of the defensemen. And their game, overtime game, it was their last game that they played was back on Thursday night. They were in Ottawa, or excuse me, in Edmonton. Some of the defensemen that played, they had McAvoy still in and Grizzlick 
Chara and Carlo. And then John Moore and Miller, I believe Miller actually got hurt in that game and had to leave after that game. So they're really getting down to uh, getting kind of low on the on the game uh, on the games that they have played this year. Uh, getting the defensemen back that they need, they'll need to get some of these guys back going forward. The Bruins, though, very good team, expected to do big things in the East. I want to check out their upcoming schedule. After they also dropped a 5-2 game in Calgary as a team going east on a Western Canada trip. Not always easy to deal with. And they are struggling there. Um, so the, the Bruins schedule here as we, as we take a look, of it, look at it is they are on a three-game losing streak. And I believe that actually the, their last victory was the victory over Detroit. Although they do get, did get two overtime wins. Uh, excuse me, overtime losses. They, they actually lost the game last night in Vancouver. I missed that one trying to scroll through. I don't know where that was. As they needed, uh, they used Yaroslav Halak in that one. Um, John Moore, Grizzlick, one pair of defensemen. And Carlo was out there. Camphor and the youngster, uh, the defenseman, Yaharo Vakanainen, played 12 minutes and 26 seconds. Makes his Made his NHL debut. Was a minus one as Vancouver dropped the 2-1 to affair in Vancouver. Now, some guys are getting healthy. Speaking of which, one of them being Corey Crawford. Welcome back on the ice as Corey Crawford returned, played his first game since December uh, for the Chicago Blackhawks, and the Blackhawks more than happy to see Corey Crawford return to their lineup. Crawford ended up, I believe in his first game back, had, I want to say he had 37 shots and 37 saves. I, I know for a fact that he got the, the win or got the shutout in his first game back. And, boy, that's really got to be just a, a music to the ears of the Blackhawks, where they have struggled with goaltending since Crawford's injury. You know, they had the, the rough end of the year, finished the playoff, or finished without making the playoffs by quite a few games. Um, so the Blackhawks now, they get back Corey Crawford, and it leads them to a victory. And they get a four to one victory. So it was not a shutout. I, I beg your pardon on that. As they get a four to one victory against the Blue Jackets in Columbus, they're now home to take on the Lightning. That game going to start about an hour and a half from now. As Corey Crawford got, th- yeah, it was thirty seven. He got thirty seven to thirty eight shots. As Patrick Kane would also score in that game, he got two. One of them into the empty net. Uh, Debrinket and Kruger, and it's basically the same old names. If you're looking at a, a box score with the Hawks, expect to see Debrinket. And Kane as the main scorers. Wierenski got the lone goal for the Jackets. Marcus Kruger also chipped in for one. That was not surprisingly assisted by Patrick Kane. We think we have an early sight for goal of the year. And I don't even know how to really describe what Anthony Duclair did. And his goal that beat, uh, that helped the uh, knock off the Flyers. Just an unbelievable move as he moves it in the right wing side, falls down, gets up, two guys check him, he has to move to the backhand, and kind of just spins around, throws it on goal, and scores it. Uh, if you haven't seen it, get to the YouTube, put in declare goal. I, I got to believe it's going to be the first and only one that pops up. He was just absolutely f- just an incredible, incredible goal 
by Declare in that game. And like we said, early nomination for goal of the year. I'm sure, you know, every week there's probably a new nominee for goal of the year, but absolutely an early candidate on a great goal by Declare. Again, if you haven't seen it, go see it. It was at home ice, brought at the home fans to the feet and a, and a, and a game that uh, the Blue Jacks, I believe, would end up going on to win. A couple of milestones were reached as well over the course of last week. Uh, Suter from Minnesota uh, would end up would get his 500th career assist. That's 11th most among all-time defensemen born in the U.S. So congratulations to, to, to Suter. In addition to that, Connor McDavid, or basically the all offense that the Oilers have provided, factored in on all. The first nine of his team goals, he either scored or assisted on. So we had the streak where Tavares and Matthews, I believe it was the number 21 of 23 sticks out to me, where 21 of the first 23 goals uh, either had Tavares or Matthews scoring it or assisting on it. Connor McDavid says, I see it and I'll raise you one as McDavid ends up being nine for nine to start the season with the Oilers. And as a matter of fact, with them being shut out yesterday, I don't believe that that streak has been broken yet. I believe McDavid is actually still on that streak. Uh, let's see here if I can get you the goals for number for the for the uh, uh, let's see a little scroll. Da, 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 da. Let me look at standings. Edmonton. See, so they've got thirteen goals for us. So I believe that streak was broken, but not, the first nine McDavid was definitely factored in on um, for the Oilers. And like we said, they lose three nothing to the Preds last night. But obviously, Connor McDavid, one of the best players in the NHL, as they have traveled, uh, they've covered a lot of ground. They've been in New Jersey, they've been in Boston, then they flew back home. We actually talked a little bit about how difficult their schedule was last week, and they're just trying to float alive through it. As McDavid now eleven points in his teams of his team's thirteen goals. McDavid also averaging over 23 minutes a night, same as Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Leo Dreisaitl almost at 20 minutes a night. And uh, Darnell Nurse has been playing close to 25 minutes a night. So Edmonton looks like they're going to start rolling with the big hogs here, seeing if they can get some big minutes. Oscar Clefbaum's played almost 25 a night. Uh, Adam Larson over 22. So that's that's a lot. That's a lot of minutes for some youngsters, though. That's the that's the good thing. Young legs they'll heal quickly as they are uh, trying to stay in this and not. You know, remember last year they were off to a dreadful start and never really recovered as they look to stay in the playoff race again. Only six games in, so I know it's ridiculous to talk playoff race, but I, you know I, I forget who who said it, but it was just one of the great comments uh, that you hear. You can't necessarily make the playoffs in October, but you can get knocked out of the playoffs. Like, how many people are expecting the, the Wings who just got their first victory to go on any sort of run? The run that they need to go on, you'd almost need to, you know, eight games in, you're one, one, six, and two. I mean, what? You need to go win 30 of your next 40 to even be considered? I mean, that's the kind of run it would take because if you do that, you're – or excuse me, you wouldn't have to be that good. I'd say, you know, 30 of your next 45. And when you when you have a stretch of games where you only get one win out of nine, it just seems highly unlikely. So it gives you an idea of how important this early season stretches are for teams around the league. 
we did get uh, Johnny Hockey with his 100th goal. Want to mention that? Congratulations to the Calgary Flame star as he gets his 100th goal. As he just keeps moving right along in his uh, young but very good careers. Uh, Johnny Goudreau, his 100th goal. I believe this is now fourth season in the league, and you know he trademarked that Johnny Hockey, and sure enough, he's living up to the name so far. Well, one of the restricted free agents have come back, and that is Nick Ritchie has signed with the Ottawa, or excuse me, with the Anaheim Ducks as he returns. And the reason why that's big, and it, it really is big, is Anaheim, a team that we seem to talk about every year, finally getting healthy. And, and then they bring in Ritchie into the fold. Gitzlov is now back. He missed the first five. We talked about the the kind of shock to our system to see an early season appearance by Ryan Kessler, who all reports in the, seemed to be in the offseason that it was going to be questionable whether he'd return at all, whether he'd return this year. And sure enough, so they get Richie signed, they get Getzlov and Kessler back, uh, Ryan Kessler back all within the first 10 games. That bolts very well for the Anaheim Ducks, who had to survive the injury bug very early last season, had to do it early this season. And so far, so good for them as they started to get some pieces back and some pieces signed into the roster. So that's that's big for the Ducks as they look to stick around in the Pacific Division. The very It's a very, very competitive division. And you don't want to fall, as we kind of said a couple of times here, you don't want to fall too far behind in anyone uh, in any league because it's just going to create a whole bunch of problems going forward trying to catch up. Anaheim actually 5-2-1. and one. They lead the Western Pacific, uh, Western Conference's Pacific Division. They have a uh, one-point lead over Vancouver, two-point lead over San Jose, and then eight points each for Calgary and Vegas. Also came out that Vegas' free agent acquisition, big free agent acquisition, uh, going to be out, uh, I believe it was three months, I heard. Uh, is what I saw. Let me see if I can get the exact time frame. I, 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 this kind of happened right between this week's show and last week's show. Uh, they they do sign Tuck to a long term deal, so that that's a, a big plus for them. But uh, the the injury, as we look, da 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 da, da and, uh, Stasny was two months. I'm sorry, not three months. So two months is the projected injury length for Stasny from five, about five days ago. So that hurts them, but they've been able to come off the mat a little bit as I believe they were 2-4 and four to start, and they have won two straight games. Um, some people that don't like each other found some things out. Sabres and Sharks ended their game this week with a line brawl. Uh, didn't really, really nothing that seemed to start it. Uh, just a bunch of bodies in the corner, and then all of a sudden, fists flying. Uh, Yoakam Ryan, one of the guys in there that not really a fighter, stood up for himself as he was getting pummeled. The Sharks winger, um, a whole bunch of penalties called at the 20-minute mark, which, again, just to me is always the hilarity of the situation is when you get, I don't know why, they call them, but they still call them, and they they, they write them down. It, nothing that, that, that carries over by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, they get still get on the score sheet. It was a 5-1 San Jose victory. But as we said, uh the penalties that occurred at the 20-minute mark of that one. It was Bogosian 5 for fighting, Yoakam Ryan 5 for fighting, and Bogosian got an extra 2 for roughing. I, it's They must have taken a light because the, the Ryan-Bogosian fight wasn't the only one. 
but it was the one that, that got the official's eye, and that was the one that was commented on pretty big time. Or that was the one, I should say, that that uh, kept the line fruckus going. In addition to that, uh, didn't really see what it was, but Wood from the Devils and Jamie Benn from the Stars got into a nice little heated match. And Jamie Benn trying to, I think that's a spark, trying to show his, his team something kind of fight there. Jamie Benn, one of the best players scoring in the NHL. His team three and four coming out of the gate. They've lost three straight after starting the year three and one. They had a big game. They had a game in New Jersey earlier in the week, very early in the week, and they end up dropping the gloves, kind of agreeing to go right off a faceoff. You don't expect, you know, Miles Wood going up against Jamie Ben, but you know Ben is a kind of player. He's this fiery guy. He's got plays with Sagan on the line, Radulov. That whole team, kind of a fiery team, and you'd ex- not necessarily expect that to happen uh, amongst those players. But sure enough, they get after it. But at the end of the day. It was a, ended up being a, a win for New Jersey that kind of started this spiral for the Stars as they have lost, as we mentioned just a moment ago, they have been lost now three straight. So that's a look kind of around the league. We're going to step aside when we come back. We'll take a look. We'll bring it back home and take a look at the Red Wings. They go one and two this year, but at least we can say they went one on the year. We're going to step aside. We're going to come on back shortly. You're listening to In the Box. I'm Thomas. Well, with the day off, we're coming back after this. Time out. Yeah, you don't stop Anna Kendrick. You just let her sing. It's a beautiful thing. Walt told you. A little bit of a crush. You just don't stop that. That, that golden voice. Uh, that is for sure. Anyway, welcome back. You are listening to In the Box. I am Thomas. Walt with the day off today. He will be with you next week. I'll be off next week. So a couple of solo shows, although he may have a special guest with him. Walt knows a lot of people. Walt's a great guy. So it's it's not surprising that he would probably have somebody in with him. But enough about next week. Let's talk about last week, shall we? The Wings. Well, it started bad. They get shellacked 8-2 to two in Boston. That was what happened the last time we were on Aaron talking to you. We thought, all right, well, you know, let's go out there. We have a bounce-back effort against Montreal, and that, my friends, didn't really end up happening. It, you know, it was it was a tough first period, and it was a tough first period because, the, again, it was a period where I didn't feel like the Wings played that terribly, yet a couple of bad hops, a couple of bad bounces, and they end up falling behind early. They give up a goal late in the period, and... That was pretty much it. It was over after one. And, and I'll tell you the moment it happens. First of all, Jonathan Duran gets his first on a penalty shot goal. Uh, I believe it was uh, Philip Aronik getting the penalty shot call. A little bit of a slash as, as uh, Duran was in all, all alone. He still got a scoring chance. Thought that maybe the referee might let it go. Yeah, he did not. And so they give Duran gets the penalty shot. Gets the goal as he beat Jimmy Howard, and it was one nothing Canadians. That came at the seven thirteen mark. Then, as we mentioned earlier in the first segment, how about Thomas Plakanich? Game one thousand goal one from Pika and uh, Jilson at sixteen fifty six. A late goal late in the period. Usually those are back burners, but under thirty seconds later, Andreas Athanasiu would poke one home from Bertuzzi and Heronic. Um It, it just kind of. It is funny how Hironic, who had really just an awful period, an awful start to the game, because he actually batted the Plakanich puck in. Uh, let's get back to that Plakanich goal for just a moment. 
Pekanich moving in wide, drew Howard way out of the crease, Howard down and out, but Pekanich forced was forced below the goal line. He throws it in front and ends up hitting Hironik, who tried to slap it away. He slapped it right into the net. Uh, that made it 2 nothing. Then the Athanasiu goal, again, from Bertuzzi and Hironik at 17-24. All right, you know, rough start. You give up the penalty shot. You give up a, a, a goal that you kind of bat into your own net. But the Andres AFS, the Athanasiu goal makes it 2-1. to one. Maybe you feel a little bit better about yourself. And then at 19-51, Tomas Tatar from Deneau, his third, Tatar's third goal of the year. Howard was kind of in that classic down pose. Puck hit me, puck hit me. I don't know where it is. I don't know where it is. And meanwhile, it's fluttering over his shoulder and into the corner of the net. That made it 3-1 to one going into the, into the locker room. And it just felt, I, I don't know, you, you just... This a team that's struggling to score goals, giving up a goal late in a period. Really, just I don't know. Again, I felt it. Maybe it didn't. I you know, but it just kind of a, a tough break for the wings. And again, but here, here, it's going to become a theme going forward. And and, and this will make more sense why we talk about it going forward. Actually, let's get to the recap, and we'll, we'll hold on to that point for just a second. Um. So those are the goals. It started out badly as uh, Gallagher just three fifty two in would make it four to one from Tatar and Riley, and then Hudon uh, Charles Hudon gets his second of the year from Pika and Petrie. The route was on five one four minutes and thirty two seconds uh, four thirty five into the second, just uh, less than a minute after Gallagher would give him a two goal lead or give him the three goal lead. Hudon would give him a four, and before the period ends. On the power play at nineteen or at fifteen fifty nine, it would go to six to one with Juren scoring from Tatar and Domi. Tatar with a three point night um, with that power play goal. Credit the Wings, a uh, little bit of credit here in Boston. That third period got really, really away from it. it was four nothing after two, and ended up being the eight to two final in this one. Detroit at least outscored Montreal in the third period. I know that's of little to no consolation, but again, given kind of the the bad of what happened in Boston. Kind of nice to, to, that they came out and at least didn't give up on the play. Night uh, FNSU would get his second of the game from Glenn Denning and Nyquist at seven oh three, and then Vanek would score from Mantha. Vanek's first of the season. It was a six to three game at ten eleven. Paul Byron would uh, add a goal late. Byron's third of the season from Armia and Kotenakami, the, the rookie with his second assist on the year at that point. And it, uh, that occurred at the 18-11 mark. That would do it in that one. Howard did get the start. He got pulled after the five, the fifth goal, the Hudon goal. Jonathan Bernier would come in. He would give up to himself. He'd get 13 of 15. Howard got 15 of 20, 35 total shots against given up by Detroit in that game. Detroit would get 28. They'd win 57% of the faceoffs to 43%. Their power play was one for two. Canadians was one for five. Detroit outhit Montreal 39-18. Blocks were even at 20. Giveaways Detroit 14. Montreal with 15. But here, here's the point that I was going to make a moment ago. And is just how young the defense was for Detroit. And and I get, I'm going to credit Jeff Blaschel for making a change. That game they roll out with Sulak. Chalowski, Hironik, Jensen, and Hicketts. That is young. I, I, I believe if I if I remember correctly, between Jensen and Cronwell was the other defenseman. Between Cronwell and Jensen, I, I'm pretty sure that I had heard that the other four hadn't had 25 total 
NHL games under their belt. I mean, that's just brutal. And you're rolling out with three rookies really back at the point. Really four. I mean, Hickett's got a, a little taste last year. I think Chalowski did as well, but just tough, tough to win games when you've got a back end that's just so incredibly young. And the change was made going into the Tampa Tampa Bay game. And probably some changes that, that would have appeared head-scratching worked out relatively well when you look at the overall of the overall of what happened in the game against Tampa. It was a 3-1 victory for the Lightning, but a game that Detroit, I, I, I felt, played step-for-step step with the Lightning the whole way through. And the changes that I was talking about, Sulak goes out of the lineup and they bring in Luke Witkowski. So a veteran player, not one, you know, obviously not a defenseman that's going to, you want playing 25 minutes a night or anything like that at all, but still just an older, experienced, more veteran player. And it ends up being a good, good choice. Um, or at least it appears to be as, as the result shows a far better outcome for the Red Wings as they played again, a, a fairly solid game against the Lightning. Um, or excuse me, uh, uh, it was a three to one loss, and and you know we Walt and I talked about it. It's, a, it's just not a place Detroit wins. I mean, it's I believe that's the twelfth straight that they've dropped in Tampa Bay. The Lightning would score first in that game, as it would be Braden Point getting his fourth from Yanni Gordon uh, Oleg Palat at the seven thirty three mark. That would be the one nothing game after one period of play. Luke Lindenning would punch one home in a second period that was largely owned by the Red Wings. And I and that's not an exaggeration. Detroit was outstanding in period number two. Um, they get the one goal, but again, kind of late, under five to go in the period. Stamkos gets a centering pass from Kucherov. Sergachev also in on the assist. A one-timer bullet, just no chance for Howard on that one. And Stamkos first of the year would make it 2-1 to one going into the locker room. The Wings deserved a better fate than that, I think, after two period of play. Uh, but they end up falling behind by a score of 2-1 to one going off after two periods. Kalorn would then add one. Um, I believe it was an empty netter. Uh, yeah, Kalorn would get an empty netter from McDonough at the 1853 mark, a 3-1 game. So Detroit kept something else going, even though it was the loss, their seventh to start the year. The five losses were either had an empty net goal or were one goal games. So, I mean, is it always fair? I mean, if you're down one with two minutes to go and you pull the goaltender, you're in a close game. So Detroit's played good games. They've been close. Um, again, two games, not so much. The, the bon- Boston and Montreal game, but we also ran down the list of the defensemen that were out there in that Montreal game. In addition to, you know, um, Witkowski coming into the lineup for Sulak, also coming back. Trevor Daly was able to play that one. Not only was he able to play, he played 23 minutes in the game. Um, that's, you know, Daly, you, you want the team to be younger. Sure, I get it. Everybody wants the team to be younger. They want the, re- you know, play the youth, see what the kids can do. But I think this week really showed why you need to have experience in your lineup. Uh, the return of Trevor Daly was just huge. You could see it in the way they played. You could see that they were better defensively in the game. And I think that's one of the reasons why you had a much closer game against the Lightning. The Lightning went to 4-1 and one with the win in that game. Detroit fell to 0-5-2. And, and something else to mention about that. The Lightning playing their fifth game of the year that night. I believe it was their fifth home game. All their games have been at home. Detroit with was playing their seventh game of the season. Two more games in the same period of time. In addition to that, they've only been home for two games. So... 
tough go here, tough early schedule. The schedule makers not really doing much to help the Red Wings out here in the early part of the season. Uh, shots on goal on that one, 30 for Detroit, 31 for the Lightning. Face-off percentage again, Detroit winning 51% of the draws, slightly better. They were 0 for 5 on the power play while the Lightning 0 for 4. Um, Detroit with the 10 penalty minutes, Lightning with 12. Detroit was out hit 26 to 16, but they outblocked the Lightning 19 to 15. So again, you know, if you if you want to say just those, you obviously don't have the ones that go wide. Shot attempts, even just on, on those two. Detroit with 45, Tampa Bay with 50, very respectable. And both teams were credited with just four giveaways in the game. Again, Jimmy Howard would get the loss as he would get 28 of 30 shots. 30 shots. The win credited to Andre Vasilevsky. He would get 29 of 30 Red Wing shots. But that takes us now to last night where Detroit falls behind by two and bounces back. And that is the sign to me that this team still, they're not throwing in the towel. They're still giving it their all. They'll st- they are still out there. Um, trying to plug away and get victories. Yandel with just a perfect shot, got the ball rolling for the Panthers to start this game. Danidoff would get his fourth assist on that play. Bukes did his first on the season at the 734 mark. In Detroit would actually then score a goal. Michael uh, Rasmussen would get one, but it was waved off due to goaltender interference by Justin Ablicator. You just get that sick sort of, oh, not again, kind of feeling. When you, you you run into the bad luck, Nick Bukestead would get his second then shortly after the Rasmussen goal was uh Rasmussen gold was weighed off. That came at 16-10. Barkoff's third assist of the year. And Detroit would skate into the locker room, trailing by two, two to nothing to this Florida team. Florida who, again, who had just played the night before, got their first victory of the year in Washington the night before, and now they led Detroit two nothing after the first period of play. Here's where Detroit would come back, and it would come back riding the power play. And, and you know, this is a, a, a good thing to see. And another sign of improvement here is Detroit has had some good power play numbers to start the year. Uh, Dennis Chalowski would get his second of the se- season on a seeing eye shot from the point. He moved to the middle. I love the move. Get up the puck to the middle. Let, don't necessarily need the high hard one, just a slow wrister that finds its way through traffic. It gets its way into the back of the net. From Athanasio and Nielsen, and at 547 of that period, it would quickly go two, two to one. Detroit would then uh I just want to double check something here because I was flipping around as you know it's it's tough to turn off the football because you get so many so much less games, uh so much less of the football games. Uh so the season's just so much shorter as yeah, Florida. So they give the back-to-back penalties. It's just at 536 uh, and then the hooking against Athens at 540. So it was a five-on-three goal that was scored by Chalowski. Detroit stays on the power play, and then Thomas Vanek does what Thomas Vanek do, does, and that's score power play goals. Goals and back-to-back games for Vanek is, you know, again, we mentioned he gets the late marker in Montreal again. Doesn't appear to be much, but it springboards him, gives him his second of the year from Nielsen and Chalowski. Chalowski's third assist, Nielsen's fourth, and at 6.05, Detroit had this game all locked up. Less than two minutes later, Helm, Nyquist, and Larkin, a great rush into the zone. 
A great passing play as Dylan Larkin would get his fourth, tap one into an open net. Great setup by Darren Helm. 7.50 the time of the goal, and Detroit would lead 3-2, to and you think... Going into the locker room, I think it was just the second time that they had led after 40 minutes of play. Is this going to be the night? Could this be the night? Would Detroit get off the schneid? Everything going good. Howard playing a great game until the final two minutes. And then in the final two minutes, you know, Mickey was dumbfounded. Ken was dumbfounded on the broadcast. How did this beat him? Just a short side shot, one of those it's never a bad play to put the puck on the net. Mike Hoffman second from Yandel and Barkoff. Howard looked like he was squared up on the net, and it just beat him up blocker side. I can't even describe it to you. I don't, I don't know what, what Howard saw or missaw, uh, but it, a, a shot that I think may have grazed off his pad, that may have hit daily stick with something else that they talked about. Problem is, I mean, it was still from about 45 feet out. Probably one that you're gonna one that your goaltender has to has to get. And Howard had been so good in the game. You, 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 I, my heart went out to him. I actually had a sick, sick feeling for Jimmy Howard again. But we would go to overtime. So Detroit would get a point, at least their third point of the year. And in overtime, a turnover in the three on three. God, is that three on three exciting? And Gustav Nyquist. And if anybody needed a goal, it's one of the guys that did. Gustav Nyquist would score. From Larkin, his first of the year, fires one by that that tough area right over the pad under the arms of an netminder. Dylan Larkin would grab the assist on the goal, as we mentioned, and the Detroit Red Wings would drop the mic as Athanasiu would drop the Gatorade bottle in a spiking manner. Detroit would get the big victory. They would lead or win that one four to one in overtime again. Big victory, it just in terms of it being their first. And what you gotta hope that that does is you gotta hope that the team gets that victory and just kind of sees now. Okay, all right, okay, we can do this. All right, we got one now. Let's let's go out. Let's get another. Let's go get another. Uh, all the hard work and, and the efforts paid off. Uh, another one goal game, which I don't know if that really is going to surprise anybody. But at least the one goal game worked out on our side as Detroit gets the 4-3 game, 4-3 victory in overtime against the Florida Panthers. Let's get to some some statistics from that game. A little bit of a, a misleading stat. I feel like the shots were, were quite in Florida's favor. I think that's a lot of comeback mode. Florida definitely the better team in the third period, definitely with more shots. Um, again, just for comparison's sake, that was Florida's sixth game, Detroit's eighth. Again, playing a team that had played two less games. Although, again, full disclosure, Florida had played the night before. So just kind of interesting how that, you know, schedule anomalies kind of work out early in the season. But Detroit gets the goal. The Nyquist goal for was the game winner. That came at 344 of the extra session. Boy, that three on three overtime sure is fun to watch. Could watch as much as that as possible. Um, Again, time on ice time here. Dylan Larkin just logged a ton of ice time in that game. He led all Red Wings forwards as he was the only one to play over 20 minutes. He got 24-23. He played 40 seconds on the power play and 5.08 shorthanded. How about that for the Red Wings center iceman? He has been stellar early going for Detroit. Franz Nielsen next in line. Two assists, but a minus one on the game. Well, that's what happens when you get power play assists. He played just under 20 minutes at 19.28. 
317 of it on the power or on the penalty kill, I beg your pardon. 149 of it on the power play. Trevor Daly led all Red Wings defensemen 25 minutes in the game. He was credited with two block shots and a takeaway, two hits as well, 2504. 15 seconds on the power play, 613 on the penalty kill. He saw a lot of penalty kill time with Nick Jensen, who also saw 5 minutes, 26 seconds of penalty kill time and 24 minutes, 25 seconds. So you just we give you those numbers so you can see that at the end of the day, who's going to see the minutes on the blue line? Cromwell playing in back-to-backs. He got the least amount of ice time as he played 15, 19, and Joe Hicketts right above him. At 16-23, the middleman was Dennis Chalowski with the goal and the assist. He played 149 on the power play and got 20 minutes and 23 seconds of ice time. Howard getting the win for Detroit, 34 saves on 37 shots. All three goals given up by him were even strength tallies. So Detroit gets the win. They move to 1-5-2 on the year. Florida's loss dropped them to 1-2-3. Detroit was outshot 37-31. Again, big win in the faceoff for them. Good good day in the circle. 54% to 46%. The Red Wings were also 2-3 for on the man advantage. Florida 0-5. So in back-to-back games, the power play numbers are in, in the three games this week. I believe that was 1-5 for five for Montreal, 0-5 for, for the Lightning, and 0-5 for, for the New the Panthers, I'm no math major, but three times five, 15, only one for 15, giving up power play goals. Really good job for Detroit there as they get two for three on the power play in the game against Florida. 15 hits to 17 in favor of the Panthers, 12 blocks to 10 in favor of the Red Wings, and giveaways 19 to 16. The Wings had three more giveaways than the Florida Panthers. Now let's take a look at this week coming up for our Red Wings as they will start Tomorrow night they will be at home as they play the new the the next Svechnikov as um the Carolina Hurricanes are coming in to Little Caesars Arena. So even if it's a split crowd, at least it'll be 50-50 or it'll be all red and white. Just the coloring of the red and white will matter. Although let's face it, not really expecting uh, a, a large Carolina contingent as. They have their own struggles with attendance, so let that's being fair. Carolina coming into the game or going into the game tomorrow as Detroit finally comes home too, which they got to be thrilled about. Although again, this home schedule, <laughs> no easy go here in this home schedule. Uh, so I'm waiting for my computer to load, which is always great. So again, it was Carolina seven thirty. Carolina comes in. That's on tomorrow the twenty second. 23rd, the Wings are off on Tuesday and Wednesday before returning to action Thursday. Excuse me, before returning to action Friday, I beg your pardon, as they will host the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Yeah, Jets, pretty good team. You know, a lot of teams kind of projecting them to maybe, you know, make a Stanley Cup run. So, yeah, that's great. And stars galore with them, with Line A and Shifley and Little and and Wheeler and Bufflin. That troop comes in. Detroit will then also get Saturday off before returning to action a week from tonight, 5 p.m. They will play the Dallas Stars at home. As we said, the Stars kind of had the good start, lost their last three coming out of the gate. So three games, two games actually before we are on air, and then one while we are on air. Uh, Give you a little bit, too, of a a background of those three teams just to let you know where they're at. And as we've mentioned, it's it's pretty good, uh, pretty great numbers, I think, in the early going. As as I know it earlier this year, I should say, 
Um, Carolina was at one point, uh, like I, I believe they were at 43 shots per game. Rod Rendemore really got that squad opening it up offensively, which I think you kind of got to do it. And they got, they got the horses, you know, go with it. Use your roster, know your roster, be successful with your roster. And, and that's a, a really, really, this is a really good thing to see there is Carolina who sits usually always on the playoff bubble looking to, to get off that this year. Seeing if they can find their way into the postseason. Um, again, so so, but just give us a minute here and pull up those standings for you. So Carolina, right now, they are in the lead of the Metro Division, a four three and one record, eight games played, nine points. Jersey and Pittsburgh right behind them. They each have eight and six. Meanwhile, Washington and Columbus each have eight eight points and seven. And then how about this? Philly with eight points and eight. So. Five teams with eight points, and they all trail Carolina with their ninth point by one. So Carolina, that's how they're going to come into the season. Winnipeg will have games, obviously, before then, but they are currently sitting at 5-2-1, 11 points. They trail Nashville and Colorado. Nashville off to a white-hot start, 7-1 and one on the year. Colorado also 5-1-2 and two, as they are one point ahead of the Jets. And then we mentioned earlier, the Stars just three and four on the year with seven games played. All right. You've heard my voice probably enough for a, a lifetime's worth, so I'll give you a break next week. I will not be in. Walt will be in carrying the load for in the box. Two games for the Red Wings this week, as we mentioned, will be on air with their third game of the week as the Dallas Stars will be in town. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Sunday. Have a good week. Enjoy some Red Wing hockey. Enjoy some hockey from around the league as there are a lot of good games being played around the league. We'll be back again. Walt will be back with you next Sunday, the 28th. Stay tuned. You are, or excuse me, you are listening to In the Box. Well, if you want to stay tuned, you can. You should always listen to podcastdetroit.com, but we won't be back until next Sunday. Thank you so much, and have a good week. My magic sword and said, by the power of Grayskull.